little bit of gunship. the synth work on them. Pink Mist. Pink Mist, the gunship. Is this sound, this is why, this is why when uh, Stranger Things first came out, I was like, oh man, the soundtrack, the opening alone, I hope that this is, I hope it matches the, uh, the music, the content matches the music. Yeah, it did. So, talk about that later. Anyway, Thursday evening, it's June 9th, 2022, and we are gathered here tonight for another fun, fun evening. This one's going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit different in the fact that, you know, when, when I uh, told Frank and Jim Zell, hey guys, we, we got to put together a series of true crime episodes. They're like, absolutely, let's do a few a year. So, yeah, well, we have an opportunity to do true crime in real time. There's a situation in Utah that is like playing out in, in, in the public, but it's not getting a lot of attention aside from what we've done on this show and now what uh, the Zell brothers have been able to establish on their own through their own work and uh, acquiring their own sources and uh, on the ground out there. So we're going to be doing that tonight. They'll be on in the first half and the second half. I got some other fun stuff to do. A lot of fun stuff to do but leading up to the badass. Rob is not on tonight, as you might have already noticed. I thought he was going to be, but he just he needed another night to, to take care of some uh, personal things that, are, that just need some organizing and some attention. So I'm uh, crossing my fingers he'll be back next week, though, because we have a couple of, couple of really cool guests that I lined up for Thursday evenings, the next couple of Thursdays, that I think that he'd enjoy. But... That's what we got going on. And also remember that um, you should go and check out Rob's site. That is kungfuchannel.com and jump into the weekly Qigong classes. Do it. It's good for you. It's good for your mind. Good for your body. It, uh, it will help complete your weekly routines of self-care. Trust me. Kungfuchannel.com. Okay. So that's what we got going on tonight. The Zells talking about this developing ritual abuse situation that's boiling to the surface in Utah. And then um, and then we, we, we go on from there. I have some things to do before then, though. I have a couple of things in the grab bag that I think you guys would really enjoy. So uh, before we go into there, I'd also like to just remind you all that for the this week, the remainder of this week, in case you forgot, all of the super chats that we collect through quite frankly superchat.com they are going to the GoFundMe that has been set up for Timothy Gordon's nephew Theo who is uh, is fighting and is going to beat leukemia brought this up last Friday obviously it's a it's a, a big um, big thing to happen to a for a family to have some uh, one of the the younger elements and younger members of the family to to be put in a position where they have to they have to do a little bit of fighting but it's going to be done it's going to be fine uh, we're all going to be uh, we're all going to be as supportive as we can i mean i wish we can help everybody and i try my best um, and i think that this is 
a little token that we can all get together on. I will match the first couple hundred dollars. Then again, we already we've already surpassed that because everybody's so nice on the that's quite frankly superchat.com. So we'll see. How, I can't wait to see what we raise by the end of the week. Tomorrow's the last day because we don't have a Saturday show this week, but we will have it next week, which is one of my announcements for the the booking end of things. Next Saturday, the 20... That's not next Saturday. No, two Saturdays from now. June 25th, we'll be live that Saturday night. We have Mr. Bill Barnes on with us. It's going to be a little bit of a past-life recollection uh, kind of a, a night because Bill Barnes, William Barnes... He um, he has been telling his story for a long time. He believes that he is the reincarnated Thomas Andrews, the chief architect of the Titanic, who went down with the ship in 1912. So we're going to hear his story. We're going to we're going to test him in every way, shape, or form because it's a very, very big claim. And then I'm going to read some of your past life regression stories that we still have on that thread we never did, but. It'll be a fun Saturday night for sure. I'm trying to get my cousin Sherry in for that because uh, that sounds like something she would be, she'd have a good time with. All right. All right. Here we go. Into the grab bag. First one up. Oh, another thread. This is for tomorrow. So I really want to get people in on this if you can. Go on to the, um, let me see. Can I pin this to the top? Can I pin it? I don't know. If, if you go on to the Reddit, the official... Oh, sorry, I sneezed. Uh-oh. If you go on to the Reddit, we have a new thread up there. If you don't know how to get there, then email me and I'll send it to you because I would really love to get some more uh, um, entries onto this one before tomorrow night because tomorrow is going to be a little bit more of a psychedelic trip as well as just a really great inspirational entrepreneurial trip with um, Justin Polgar of yescacao.com to learn about how he puts so much so much positive energy and creative powers into these botanical chocolates that he creates uh, chocolates that are really like healthcare. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that again, go through it, but I want to talk to him about his, uh, I want to talk to him about psychedelic revelations that people have had in their time using, I don't know, going on ayahuasca retreats, which I know he has, LSD, shrooms, I, I have not done any of it, but I want to, I want to learn about positive experiences people have had in those states where they're inspired to change their life for the better start a business, enjoy the little things a little bit more. Well, I put that up here on the thread. Psychedelic revelations. Let us know about them. We've got plenty of shows on bad trips, but if possible, I'd love to focus in on some positive, mind-blowing experiences. Good Friday night stuff. I can't wait for tomorrow night. But first, we got to do tonight, and tonight is going to be just as fine. All right, here's the first headline. Headline from Fox 5 New York, man who raps about robbing ATMs arrested for robbing an ATM. Well, nobody said that they're smart. That's all I really have to say about that. Uh, moving on. NASA. This is from France24.com. NASA gets serious about UFOs, which means you should probably get a little bit less serious about it. It's the same, and they keep, they keep putting the same negative image of the Tic Tac object from 2009 in the crosshairs of the naval ship. 
the same damn thing over and over again. But um, that's going on in the background. Nobody cares. Here's something I thought was interesting. This is from the Straits Times. Found this on when I was uh, I was dragging the waters on Drudge Report. I just every once in a while I go there to see if there's any off-topic weird headlines. The Straits Times, Russia unexpectedly poor at cyber war, says European military heads. Several European heads of military cyber defense forces agree on Wednesday, June 8th, that Russia has been far less effective than expected in employing digital combat capabilities in their offensive against Ukraine. They're doing just fine. Among cybersecurity experts were pretty sure that there would be a cyber Pearl Harbor based on past experience, the Russian behavior and capabilities. But Ukraine was prepared and withstood attacks from Russia, General Molena, uh, Molenda told a meeting of the International Cybersecurity Forum held in northern France, city of Lille, or Lille. This showed, he added, you can prepare for cyber conflict against Russia, which he said was good at offensive capabilities, but not so good at defense. Oh, that's the catch. That's the catch. They're good at offense, just not defense, but apparently their offense has not worked either. Less effective than expected, employing digital combat capabilities in their offensive. That's the opening. So what does that say about the U.S.? What does that say about the U.S., that, they're const that the Russians are constantly hacking and disrupting life in the United States? Wink, wink. It's like, we know it's coming. We know it's them. Plus, they're bad at it. But they get us anyway. What, <laughs> what does that say about us? That's all rhetorical. It's all nonsense. Now, here's something that is pretty... Here is something uh, that is pretty important. Okay? WorldNet Daily. Complete coincidence. At least seven large farms scorched uh, fires. Farm fires scorched U.S. in the last 10 days. Now, we were talking about fires of food processing plants and all that stuff. But now it, it is... In particular, we're looking at the largest, I don't know how many times in our history we've ever seen tens of millions of birds being culled. We're going to get into that, though. We've mentioned this before. This is a little bit of an update. There were seven major farm fires in the United States over the recent 10-day period. In the big picture, they were for, most, for the most part relatively small-scale events, but with reports of so many fires at food production facilities, you can't help but notice. Coincidence? It could be, but it does get your attention. A barn in Anover uh, Township, Ohio, burned on Monday. Officials initially were concerned that a person was in the burning structure but found no people or animals inside. Saturday was a North Smithfield, Rhode Island horse farm fire. Thankfully, none of the 40 horses were injured, but it was the second fire at the site in two days. A blaze Thursday destroyed a horse ring in Providence. Um, also, Saturday was a multi-alarm fire at an em empty barn in Cedarville, New York. That night, tens of thousands of chickens died in a fire at an egg production facility in Wright County, Minnesota. On Friday, some 70 dairy cows escaped when their barn in Lehigh County, Pennsylvania, caught fire, and they had to be rounded up to avoid being hit by fire equipment, according to Express Times in Lehigh Valley. 
More tragic was May 28th fire in Levine, Arizona, southwest of Phoenix, that killed more than 100 animals, including chickens, goats, sheep, plus two dogs. Now, that's going, not going to, things like that aren't going to disrupt the entire country or things like that. Still tragic. But the, the bigger things here, aside from these fires that are, are being noticed, we have such a large amount of chickens being killed, turkeys, things like that. Here's from Daily Veracity, who, is so, uh, who has sourced their uh, article here well. They call it Chicken Holocaust, killing over 6 million bird v- flu, uh, 6 million in bird flu cull while global food shortages rage on. Now, this is a pretty good job encapsulating it, but I have seen, I've seen longer lists of dates, places, and number of, of animals lost that really, it, it's incredible. What's going on here? They go on to say, while food production facilities continue to be mysteriously destroyed amid what many are calling looming global food crisis, one U.S. uh, factory has committed a chicken holocaust after fears of avian flu has infected the flock. The The Guardian released a detailed analysis of the bird flu threat, which was previously believed to be contained within the borders of Asia. Now meat processing plants across North America are bracing for what experts fear could be a catastrophic loss of chicken. At least 18 food processing plants burned in the last six months, chickens being killed by the thousands for an alleged bird flu, shipping containers delayed and backed up, farmers paid not to farm, gas prices through the roof. According to another article from the New York Times, another 27 million birds were culled due to the bird flu, which scientists are using, guess what, as I said before, PCR tests to detect. The popular news site, Heavy, also reported on the culling. Here's a quote. As of early April, the outbreak has caused the culling of some 23 million birds from Maine to Wyoming. We have diagnostic tests for much more rapid and improved detection of avian influenza compared to 20 to 30 years ago using molecular diagnostics such as the PCR tests. The same method labs use to detect COVID-19 infections, which we know, reported by the New York Times, uh, over 96% of those positives could be false. And there's no way to, to actually tell between whatever the hell COVID is, was, and what the flu is. These are all things that are verifiable, public knowledge, reported on by leftist media. So you can, you, but, but we're destroying tens of millions of birds in a time where uh, people are already feeling a squeeze on food, food supplies. So it's really incre- it's really incredible. It goes on from there, but but I think that's uh, that's all we got for now. All right. Well, let's kick this show off. Kick this show off. Send those super chats in if you got them. Throw this link all over the place. Get people watching the show, whether you're watching live or on demand. We will be right back. We got some great guests at the bottom of the hour. That is very, very soon from now. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gents. It's a pleasure being with you tonight. Go ahead, Watchtower. This is the Joker speaking. You're tuned in quite frankly. When you see the ants, remove your pants.
let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Serenade. This is a June song. This is a June song. Beautiful, beautiful song to play on a June evening, sitting on your back porch, on your front porch. Light yourself a citronella candle, put on the radio, uh, with this on, of course. Or you can listen to a, a baseball game, and this could be background music and just fill in that whatever. Hear the crickets. There's no crickets in June. Let's wait a little while for those. I don't hear any crickets out right now. They usually come out in July. Uh, then later July, we get the cicadas. The cicadas? Cicadas? You know, it was a good time today. My mother met somebody at the, uh, down by the boardwalk who knew my grandfather, who was actually coached in football by my grandfather. And we got some really great stories. Uh, she recorded some great stories he had. He had of my grandfather as a coach. And I got I to gotta play some of those on the show when I collect them and clean them up a little bit. I'd like to get this guy on the show and just talk. He and Tony, that'd be great. You know, it's Tony's, I think, 92nd birthday. Like today or tomorrow or over the weekend. It's Tony Black. So we have to get him back on the show. Welcome everybody on Rumble. I know that you missed out on the grab bag. Uh, there was, I guess it just got clogged up over here on my end. So I stopped and restarted and now it's broadcasting pretty seamlessly. So welcome to the fun. I'm going to have to find another place to link the episode now. YouTube. Going back to linking people to YouTube tonight. All right. So, um, so ladies and gentlemen, I have a nice little story over here I want to read to you. I don't know. Is it a story of a redemption of at least one leftist? I have to imagine that this reflects a greater, some greater population. Not, not majority, but it's got to reflect somebody's timid thoughts about what we lived through and what we're looking at now. I want to put this out there before we call up the Zells in about, I don't know, 5, 10, 4, 13 minutes, whatever it is. Take a listen to this. This is from the Daily Examiner out there in New Zealand. The headline is, What We Learn From Hating the Unvaccinated. I said, ooh, this is, 
this is pretty interesting. It's a very short read. It's by a woman named Susan Dunham. She writes the following. She says, the battlefield is still warm. Following Canada's war on the unvaccinated, the mandates have let up and both sides stumble back into something that looks like old normal. Old normal. Uh, Let's see. Um, Except that there is a fresh and present injury done to the people we tried to break and no one wants to talk about it. And I love how she's, she's talking from the standpoint of we. So this, is, this was very interesting to see this written in such a humble way. Only weeks ago, she continues, it was the admitted goal of our leaders to make, the, to make life unlivable for the unvaccinated. And as a deputized collective, we forced multiplied that pain, taking the fight into our families, our friendships, and workplaces. Today, we face the hard truth that none of it was justified. And in doing that, uncover a precious lesson. It was a quick slide from righteousness to cruelty, and however much we might blame our leaders for the push, we are accountable for stepping into the trap despite better judgment. She continues, though. We knew that waning immunity put vast numbers of the fully vaccinated on par with the shrinking minority of unvaccinated, yet we marked them for special persecution. We said they hadn't done the right thing by turning their bodies over to state care even though we knew the principled opposition to such a thing is priceless in any circumstance. And we truly let ourselves believe that going into another ineffectual lockdown would be their fault, not the fault of toxic policy. And so it was, uh, and so it was by the willful ignorance of science, civics, and politics that we squeezed the unvaccinated to the degree that we did. We invented a new rubric for the good citizen and failing to be one ourselves, took pleasure in scapegoating anyone who didn't measure up. After months of engineered lockdowns, having someone to blame and to burn simply felt good. We cannot hold our heads high as if believing we had logic, love, or truth on our sides while we viciously wished death upon the unvaccinated. The best we can do is sit in the awareness of our rabid inhumanity for having cast so many aside. Most of us who pilloried the non-compliant did it because it seemed like certain victory, like the unvaccinated, would never make it through unbroken. Indeed, the promised new normal looked unbeatable, so we sided with it and made punching bags out of the holdouts. But betting against them has been a scathing embarrassment for many of us who have now learned that the mandates had only had, uh, only had the power we gave them. And it was not through quiet compliance that we avoided endless domination by pharmaceutical companies and medical checkpoints at every doorway. It was thanks to the people we tried to tear down. So for those of us not among the hopeless few, we pray for the return of the mandates. We might, uh, oh, that's, um, that's, that's, that's another quote. It seems right now like the mandates will return. But this time there's hope that more of us will see them for what they are, a rising authoritarianism that has no concern for our well-being. If there's an enemy, it's uh, it's the confidence game of state power and the transparent attempt to tear us apart. Heeding that looks like our best shot at redemption. Can we be redeemed? Can it be so? Man, I hope so. I thought that was very interesting. Very interesting indeed. But, um, but what do you think? 
you can send in some thoughts to me in email or super chat later on. Um, I thought that this would be a nice a nice segment, but not a not something that would dominate a whole show because it's kind of like what we had speculated about what what comes afterwards and when do uh, and how do we have to how do we have to prepare ourselves for the many millions hopefully that will really um i guess reevaluate the last few years and their role inside of it for actually making it happen what their fear allowed to happen made i mean i'll, I'll tell you the hospitals are still horrid you know my my stepfather's personal business is his personal business. I've asked for prayers, but I'm not going to talk about the details. He's just it's it's um it's horrid. It's horrid what he's still going through right now. And a lot of it has to do with COVID, even if the reason for being in the hospital is not COVID, because it is COVID that is keeping everybody. You all know it. You've had family and friends in the hospital for one reason or another, and you guys take turns. You're, you're there in shifts, groups of three, in shifts. Who's got the morning? I'll be there afternoon. I'm bringing lunch. I'll be there overnight. I'm staying with this one and that one. And you're there talking to doctors, nurses. They see you're there. It keeps a fire lit under them. It's a, it's, it's a real, real problem. So, is there a case for redemption? Well, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Um, in the meantime, in the meantime, we got a couple more minutes. Actually, whenever the, the Zells call in, we can just take them now. It does not matter. But I have a few things that I want to get through. First, we have the county case update in Utah with Frank and Jim. That's the one that we read on Tuesday night. I'm going to go th- through that with them real quick. But now they have two updates since then. One yesterday and one today that I have not read yet because it hasn't been public. It wasn't published in time for me to read it. And, um, and that should be more than enough to get us through the next few segments and all of that. Then the second half, we want to take your super chats, talk to people, and hopefully we have time to balance this one out. Who the hell knows? Who knows? we got a few coming in right now, super chats. One is from Sea to Shining Sea. says, wish I could do more. Love to you and yours. That Whatever you can do is just enough, my friends. Thank you. On normal weeks, I say send the Super Chats in whenever. A tip is one of the, the, greatest, the greatest kinds of feedback someone in my position can, um, can have, and it, in, it increases the, the interaction value in the show. But for now that we're raising money, it, it, doesn't, it does not matter. Thank you for the wonderful... The wonderful offering. Let's say, oh, Frank and Jim are calling right now. Let's have them on. Hey, what's going on, Zell brothers? Hey, what's going on, Frank? Hold one second while I add my brother. You got it. Jim, you there? I'm here. Well, boys, welcome to the show. Thanks, right. Frank. Good now, evening. You know, a couple months ago, we were talking about how we needed to set up a couple of, maybe a small series, a serial of true crime episodes that we can just sprinkle into the the yearly calendar and 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 just have that to look forward to i didn't think that our first crack at this would be a real-time situation that we can actually be a uh a, a part of documenting yeah this kind of came out of you know it wasn't like you know you saw storm clouds with this or anything it just kind of popped off yeah and 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 it went from there so and it's 
like you said, you know, it's you don't have too many of these, and we talked about it last time that you know that they actually happen at the moment where you're able to kind of discuss in real time. Okay, yeah, so the, I mean, the fact yeah. that the, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. You go right ahead. Go. I mean, you know, it's not very often that you know a police department's going to be asking the public for help in a case like this. Yeah, that's the. So you know, I, it was. It was just so yeah. unique. Yeah, on that, Frank, um, because let me ask you a question there before we get into all this. I I got an email from at least one person who lives out in that area, and it tends to think that this it tends to think that this this could just be uh, this could just be political, and that the this this Utah County Attorney Levitt, David Levitt, I think his name is, uh, he has actually been a, a pretty good voice for the community and, and standing by good liberty-affirming policies and just doesn't, and, and that all of these, these accusations of things as egregious as murder and cannibalism have been dismissed long, long ago. Um, how, do you, how do you take that on based on the things that you are piecing together right now, especially with the sources you've acquired at the scene? Uh, Franklin, in this one. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, I guess first with the uh, issue of it being debunked, the case that's in, uh, that they're referencing that took place in 2012 uh, when the uh, woman came forward, uh, the case it had to do with, in all these cases, especially cases that happened years ago, you know, when you're trying to corroborate with physical evidence, it's very difficult, right? But this case, you know, when it, went, when it was being looked at back then, it's not like it wasn't seriously looked at, but they had a hard time with the evidence. That's why the judge, when she uh, spoke to the party, she said, I'm going to dismiss this case without prejudice, not with prejudice. And that's very important mm. because the case, if it was dismissed with prejudice, that means it's done, it's over, can never enter back into a courtroom. Dismissed uh Without prejudice means you can bring it back and retry it at any time. So if back then, this the, case, this, 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 if this judge had looked at everything that was presented and thought that the case was without merit, it was clearly a political hit job, and that they, did, they just really didn't believe that there could ever, there is going to be any corroborating evidence out there, they would have thrown it out with prejudice. But, but there had to be some Correct. kind of, there, there's something that, uh, that made them wonder and leave it open. Yeah. No, that there, there was, there was uh, enough there that the judge had his great concerns that, yes, this, this could be brought back at another time. Now, if you want to question this, what? But if, if evidence came forward at this time, who cares if it's an election season or not? Who cares what it looks like? You, you go forward. And according to uh, the sources that we have gotten to contact with, they stress that this is not a, a political hit job. Does, do, does Sheriff Smith like the prosecutor? No, he does not. That's clearly evident over the past few years. They do not like each other. But let's be clear about that. Personally, they despise each other. Okay. But, and another thing, I'm sorry, let me just jump in. Another thing is, is that the Sheriff's Office has been working this case since 2021. Not, they just didn't just dust this off. You know, they, they, they didn't go into the file cabinet, you know, blow the dust off. <sighs> okay, let's do a hit on, you know, level. No, no. 
They've been working on it for a, over a year. But it got to the point, obviously, where they need other people to come forward because they, in their language that they're using, Jim, you got to fix your phone, brother. How's that? Better. So it's, they're almost there. Some parts of it have been confirmed. So they've already locked down certain aspects of the case. So it's, you know, they're close. Now they're just looking for others to, who have been abused to come forward so they can lock the rest of it down. Okay, so then let me let me read off your Utah County hey, update hey, from Tuesday. Go ahead. Frank, before, one Frank. more thing just to address what you mentioned about Levitt being good for the community. And uh, according to our source, they have been the opposite, especially closing down of the uh, special victims unit. Closed down special that victims was, unit. That was, uh, 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 the, source, the source who we were talking with, that was extremely harmful to the community of Utah County. So just right there, closing down a, you know, a unit that specialized in child sexual abuse victims and, and assisting them and prosecuting them, not good for the community of Utah County. But it could be. And then never mind, just, just months ago, several prosecutors gave a no confidence vote in Levitt and left. And a month before that, one of the police departments gave him a no confidence vote saying, you know, just crushing his leadership. Hmm. Saying, you, know, you got people saying the man is incompetent, inept, his progressive policies are failures. You know, he is not well liked at all. People don't respect him. They don't think he's a professional. None of it. So the person that sent you that email, he's not talking to anybody we're talking to because there ain't nobody out there that likes the guy. Well, then let's get to this this Tuesday. This is the, the update from, they're all uh, very concise updates. So let's just breeze through this one. Uh, yesterday's, and then I want you guys to just talk about the one that came out today because I haven't read it yet. But it said editors, okay, so the boys in the Zeller have required an official source close to the case. I won't ask you who your source is, but the source has confirmed several aspects of the case while shedding light on different areas. Regarding Sheriff Mike Smith, quote, he is well-respected in the community and this is not a political hit piece, end quote. Regarding county, and guys, interject at any time. Uh, regarding county attorney David Levent, Quote, by having that press conference and mentioning himself, his wife, cannibalism, he it violated every law protocol. The source also stated that, quote, by holding said press conference, Levette contaminated the case and diminished any further witnesses that may come forward. This had to be his intent. It, otherwise, yeah, right. it made no sense. Right, right there, Frank. It, it, it's what his, uh, Levette's actions were, like we said in the post, you know, totally against the protocol. And it was shocking to those in the law enforcement community and to those uh, that, you know, to lawyers that are also involved. They were, they were shocked by his actions. Hmm. And the people, um, you know, the, uh, the source that can only go into so much knows him, not intimately, but he knows him. And he knows, more importantly, he knows people that know him professionally. Knows him, he knows him by people who know him professionally and the people that know him professionally are totally shocked by his behavior. So now the next, the next part, you, you're talking about shock, but the next part starts referring to fear. Uh, this is the source continued speaking about Levitt, saying that there were rumors circulating about Levitt concerning, uh, concerning parties 
and kids over the years. But regarding the media covering Utah County, said, quote, they are scared. This is from your, your source. This media is scared. Correct. They are chilled to go against him. I don't know why the media has heard the same rumors. Uh, and regarding the report. Now, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Frank. Let me just send in to Jack. So as we're, as we're doing this and we're, we're acquiring sources, we're trying to do it across all fields and all connections. You, you know, you want to you want to try to get law enforcement. You want to try to get people in the legal field. You want to try to get media people. I've already got a couple of media people. They've been working on this eight months. Eight months. They and they are, you know, just like we posted. They're saying the same thing. Oh, this, you know, we can run with this. You know, this isn't some nonsense. So, so is that local? Ahead, is that ahead. local media? So it's not all media are scared, but everybody knows it's no, big. No, local. Okay. Yeah, it's all. It's it's like just you know the local affiliates, uh, the local you know from the from the papers to the local affiliates. There's just a power there, and you know, and Levitt is is a, like a representative of it, and it's not just him that's you know that's being accused. There's also businessmen in the community. And not not running the mom and pop shop. He's a big businessman, so that can that will cool the heels of a lot of media because if one, it just if you're not used to covering these cases, it seems unfathomable, especially if they're pillars of the community. Hmm. And the other one is from a legal standpoint, when you're you know we've had to deal with this forever, is when you're trying to do a story, you don't want to get sued while doing it. So you better have your ducks in a row, and when you're mentioning big names, it puts more of an onus on you to have even more evidence if you're a reporter, not just the standard. Like, you're not just going to hit the threshold and run a story if it's a big name. You're going you're to want more. So that's where we're at the media, from the media standpoint. Well, as far as more or less, the, the, here you have the next, which is like the most you can get, I would say. Regarding the report, Cannibalism and murder. I don't know how much bigger of an accusation you can go with that. Cannibalism and murder were mentioned in the report, which is 151 pages in length. And um, and and then just to just to tie something else in there, that we can move on to something else. Um, the the rumors also regarding Levitt are beyond Utah County. We're talking about brothels in New York City. Uh, human trafficking and even some business out in Ukraine. What do you guys know about that? Then we'll, well go to part two. And, it, and it's 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 not even so far business in the Ukraine. I mean, this guy has a home in the Ukraine in Kiev. That's how extensive his business ties are there. He's been in the Ukraine from 20, 2004 to 2018 with something called the Levit institute okay he was he has been involved in the ukraine and obviously we know i'm not speculating about what he was doing in the ukraine all i know is is that he's been offering legal reform training to lawyers out in the ukraine but obviously we all know about looking at the ukraine how corrupt the ukraine is it's a hotbed for corruption politicians love it you know, you know, you, you can you can make a lot of money in Ukraine. We've seen it over the years, and he was over there in the whole midst of it. Okay, and what's important is the source told me that when this guy would explain 
about what he did over there, the people that knew him professionally looked at each other and said, you know, I'm just going to quote it, this is bullshit. They don't, they, the people, the people he worked with didn't, be, the people he looked, he worked with didn't believe him. Yeah, what he was doing there. So these are his colleagues. These are his colleagues. <sighs> okay. But yeah. now look, look at what you know. Look at all went down in the Ukraine, right? You know, over the past ten years, this guy's there in the thick of it. He was just prior to the war. He rushed over there, just took off to go to his house to gather up belongings right before the invasion. I saw some reports you know, on that. I, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know what you, I mean, you know, you, you know, you're an attorney. You make some pretty good money. You don't have somebody over there that can handle your business hmm. for you, but you got to go. And, you know, if you just told me the guy did legal reform work in the Ukraine, I didn't know anything about the man, I would have said, oh, that's sweet. Nice, nice job. But then when you hear that he's been rumored with parties with kids, sexual trafficking, and then you look at his background. Here's one report, and it, 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 it casts such a shadow on it, where he went over there with an anonymous donor, a very rich donor, anonymously, you won't name him, that he was looking for families to give money to support for a year. He went on the ground to seek out families who were the poorest. Taking applications. Taking looking applications for, uh, to see who was the most in need. Now, that seems like, a very, you know, not a nice thing to do, but with a guy who has rumored of possibly dealing with kids, yep. it seems like you can probably do a lot of things with families by giving them money, right? Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not saying he did, but highly suspect. Yeah, no, it, it, it also, it, it's cast under a completely different light at that point. And, and when it comes to yesterday's report you guys put out there it's titled how to derail an investigation the utah county attorney's oh. office strikes again so you uh, with you know what without me having to read this whole thing could you guys encapsulate what yesterday's um uh yesterday's update about attempts to derail the investigations out there really um you know just sum it up for us okay uh well just let me backtrack a little bit it's going to tie in uh going back to the media about the media being you know afraid or hesitant or very hesitant in covering and because they they know the stories or they know the rumors so yesterday uh adam herbert adam herbert is a reporter for the fox 13 affiliate he was texting so this is a private text message conversation that he's having with somebody inside the county attorney's office and he's asking questions and he's talking about Levitt in the text messages and he's saying you know there are allegations that Levitt is one of the subjects of the investigation based on a written statement filed years ago by one of David Hamlin's daughters my understanding is that Hamblin is the primary suspect. Has Levitt been interviewed? What is his response to the allegation? So this guy, Levitt, published his text messages on Twitter. Now, we were given the name David Hamblin, and we were told that's sensitive, so we didn't do anything with it. We researched it, but we didn't go public with it. So what does this guy do? He 
publics, he, he publishes the private text messages of a reporter and outs, not outs, but mentions the name David Hamlin because the reporter talked about David Hamlin as the prime suspect. And then you start putting the pieces together and you go back to other articles written by the reporter. Like in one, he mentions victims and law enforcement sources say one of the targets of the investigation was a therapist who was previously charged with a series of sex crimes against young female family members. The Utah County attorneys all strap charges without prejudice and the man was not convicted. So he doesn't mention the name. So you don't know who the therapist is. Now you know it's David Hamlin. Now you know the daughter is the source of the 151-page report. And, they, and David Levitt, in essence, is outing the main witness and his accuser. It's incredible. You already, you already prefaced it prior by saying, well, that witness, you know, she's, got, she's seriously deranged and mentally ill. Yeah, tragically mentally ill. He said that during his press conference. And I, I and I, I remember the sheriff's response to that by by saying, "Don't don't you know? Don't slander victims of a crime." How, and um, but but right, how dare you? So so can you summarize real quick what how he packaged the? Because I haven't seen the tweets where he put out the the screenshots of the text messages. How did he package them up? And and what was in the caption? He, I mean, he just he he pretty much. He, uh, was ripping Adam Herbert. He's like, you see, you know, you're a biased reporter. You, you, you don't care about the truth. And, you know, he just ripped the reporter. Wow. And then below, he just showed the text messages. This is the same reporter that this guy called out in his press conference. When he was talking about, oh, these charges are outrageous. You know, this is a, this is all about a report that has me and my wife in it. He goes, where's Adam Herbert? Uh, is he here from Fox 13? You, you should be ashamed of yourself. So this David Hamblin, you guys knew that name before this was even texted out, you said, by by David Levette, because your source actually told you about it, but it was sensitive, so you kept it close to the vest. And a matter yeah, of we, fact, the, the, yeah. the source, as we were discussing things, came out with the name on accident. Wow. And I had him repeat the name because I was trying to get the spelling in my head. And the source stopped talking, and the source said, I am sorry, that was not for public consumption. Okay. Well, and I told the source, okay. I said, I'm not going to mention it in anything. And lo and behold, like the following the next couple of days, here comes the, here comes the name. That wasn't supposed to be out there at all. And once again, and once again, it's the attorney Levitt who's getting out in front of it and trying to uh, to muddy the water and 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 own all this information before it's it's presented by an official law enforcement force uh, 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 person. Correct. Wow. This is a woman who, when she came forward in 2012, was in fear for her life and for the others of her family due to her father and others most likely so this is not now it's all a matter of time now if you now you know that hamlin's the guy and the, his daughter is the source of it it's all a matter of time until you get a name it's 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 not hard and now it's going to happen and this guy's already greased the wheels by calling her tragically mentally we've seen this before a million times so 
So then, as far as today's update, you guys said that today's update is pretty pretty important. How does it tie in with all this stuff um, chronologically? Well, I, it, I mean, if you if you read the uh, the article, the, the the blog post, you know, from the beginning, you can you can see it. It's almost like you know a story. Utah County seeking tips on ritualistic child abuse. Oh, pretty simple. They're asking for help. Attorney calls for sheriff to resign. Is the second one. Top cop tries to implicate him in sex ring, which he never did. And then Mike Smith has to respond to it. And then you got then we do the case update. And now you have him outing a reporter's text message. And today is there's a part in the county uh, case update where the source says that Levitt owns a lot of people in the community, including the county commissioners. He says, as a matter of fact, as we speak, Levitt is meeting with the commissioners to get to go after Mike Smith and remove him from office for malfeasance. I'm seeing that here. Let me read a little now, bit more. Our source was right on the money. It didn't take long for the commissioners to act. And now you have this uh, KTITY. Let's see, KSL. Utah County Commissioners did a delay elected officer investigation following sheriff county attorney dispute so to launch the launch of an investigation into conduct of elected officials in utah county has been placed on hold after a snafu on in commission uh, uh, agenda language led to the commission striking down the motion so we see the yeah, commission we, we, yeah go go ahead we addressed that we addressed, we addressed that so it, that was that was what our source told us a couple of days ago and actually when i got that information i had to reach out to another individual to get that passed along to mike smith who was not aware that they were meeting wow so now you fast forward a couple of days well yesterday and now they met here come the commissioners uh had a meeting an item calling for approving and, authoriz and authorizing the commencement of an investigation related to potential unauthorized release of documents and other related matters. Mike Smith was there at the podium. I mean, at, you know, at the meeting. When did he take to the podium? I see here that you guys quoted him. Sheriff Mike Smith took to the yeah, podium and lit up the commissioners. A few quotes from him at the proceedings. When were these proceedings? I'll, I'll read the quote, but when were the proceedings again? It was yesterday. Okay. So here's what Mike Smith said yesterday. I find it interesting as well as disturbing that the commission has placed this on a public agenda item. I find it very inappropriate. It's out, very out of order. Um, he, he means placing all this sensitive information in public when it's an ongoing investigation. Yeah, just, just having an investigation while they're doing this. Right. You know, he, he hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't leaked documents. He, the only person mentioning names is Levitt mentioning him and his wife. Yeah. He continues. It's him doing it. But yet, if they're going after the elected, remember, these three commissioners are in the pocket of the county attorney, David Levitt. According to the source, he owns them. It says here, this continues, the, uh, Sheriff Mike Smith continues, uh, this continues Levitt's attempt to intimidate victims and witnesses and people working this case, and by placing this on the agenda, the commission has participated in that continual intimidation on the case. Guys, it is so obvious. 
This is, it's so obvious. And, and let me ask you something real quick. Have you seen this story being covered adequately anywhere else right now, aside from whatever they're pulling off locally out there? I have not seen it anywhere. Nope. Me and my brother were just, yeah, we were talking about it before, uh, before we called. Nope. I mean, forget about the mainstream. I mean, forget about that. You're never going to see cases like this in the mainstream news. But even in the alternative media, where are you? Everybody bitches and moans, oh, you know, about cases like this. How can they get away with this? Here it is happening right now in your face. And nobody's talking about it. So you tell me, Frank. I mean, you know a whole bunch of these people. Why aren't they talking about it? Oh, I don't know. The finders, you know. Uh, now, Frank, I, got, I actually got a, I got a call from the detective's office the other day. Okay. Out in uh, Utah. And they wanted some more background just on who I was, and, you know, my thoughts there, following up, you know, tips they're getting. And I kind of explained, you know, who I was, what I'm doing. And, you know, basically I was saying, you know, guys, I said, with, with what's going down, you know, you, the pressure is going to continue to increase. I said, you guys need eyes on this from wherever you can get it. Not just there. You need eyes from outside of the county looking at this. And the detective's like, yeah. We do. They they are looking for they are looking for help, literally. So what they do you think? What do you help? Th- they're they're, they're going to try and lock it down. What do you think timetables are for there to be uh, uh, official official revelations by the sheriff's department, and um, and what do you think the, pro- the possibility of it actually being disturbed? by those who obviously want this kept under wraps. What, what, what do you think their possibility of success is? And putting that aside, when do you think we might get a get some revelation on this? Uh, it's Well, like right now, I, I believe there are some reporters who will disagree with me. They believe that this delay, I mean, because it, it didn't get, some people are, report, are, are reporting like, this commissioner's investigation was voted down and it's over. No, 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 no. They just, they just said, oh yeah, we got to work on the wording and it, and we're, you know, they're delaying it. So this, you know, I got a wager with one reporter for lunch. He said, it's, they're going right, to, they're going to start this up next week. What I think is happening is that this delay is because, and it's just, it's a weird confluence, you know, of events that there's a election June 28th in which all the major players are up for election. Mike Smith, Sheriff Mike Smith, the commissioners, and David Levitt. Wait, that's, that, that's not like a primary. That's a local election. That's all done in June or July, you said? Yeah, June this month. So, it's, so, it's there, June, so there's a chance. There's a chance that Mike Smith may lose his election in the next couple of weeks. Correct. And if that's the case, why go after them? You see what I'm saying? So that could be the delay. Now the commissioners are up. You know, so so their you know their seats are up. So those commissioners may not be there. And what about David Levitt? David Levitt's being challenged by Jeff Gray. Jeff Gray is a war and order guy. A matter of fact, he's Mike Smith's guy. Mike Smith endorsed him, and in his endorsement said, "For the sake of our children, we have to vote for Jeff Gray." Wow. Okay. That's how strong. So, so the commissioners are probably hedging their bets. They, they want to do Levitt's dirty work, but they want to see. Okay, let's let's just see which way the wind blows. 
Yeah, the, the real headline with the commissioners should have been, commissioners put up hand, stick up finger to see which wind, which way the wind is blowing. That should have been the headline. <laughs> True. Good. So, so, so that's where we're so so that's where we're at. And if you right now, I mean, it's hard to give you a you know when is the next shoe going to drop? You know when is the next? When's the big revelation? When it comes to the cops, don't know. But you want the cops to take their time. And as of yesterday, because of their press release that started this all off on May 31st, they received now a hundred tests. It was once 20. It's now a hundred people have come forward. Well, okay. So then so we're, now, we're talking. We're talking about at least a hundred people now out there in the local area that have come forward. You know, that's just a fraction of what it is. Those are the people who made it out alive. Um, so what? And I understand that you guys have been very, very adamant about about putting it on out there. If you don't have witnesses, if you don't have evidence, you don't have anything. And and that you have to be very careful about what you what conclusions you draw without you have to try to keep speculation out of this. But now I wanna I wanna get into some of your personal your personal experience which which would fortify your gut instinct on what may be going on here based on what you have seen play out time and time again in other parts of the country in cases all type all sizes. But before I do that, I, I mean, I guess like, this is all part of it. Would you say that this is some sort of activity that is belonging to a a regional coven? Um, I mean, you're talking about cannibalism, murder. This is not just a fetish. Uh, this is something that that is is as they even describe it, ritualistic. So, do you think that this is part of some kind of a regional coven activity, satanic sacrifice? Well, I find it. Yep, I, I do believe, you know, there is religious overtones. I, I do believe, like you said, in the report, in the 151-page report, cannibalism and murder are mentioned. And it's funny, the way um, uh, Mr. Ludwig came out and said, you know, this, this is just ludicrous. It's almost like he never heard of anything like this happening. And it's interesting because I was reading a report today. In 1992, Utah came out with a ritual abuse crime unit back in 1992 because of the amount of reports coming in of ritual abuse. And specifically, what was mentioned was, and like in most cases, talks about people wearing hoods, uh, satanic imagery, watching other children murdered, um, cannibalism. This is in the 1992 Attorney General State Report. Okay, they formed their own task force to look into this stuff. Utah has a crazy history. A lot of places do. A lot of this goes on all over the place. But yeah, absolutely. Utah. This has been going on in Utah for a long time. That enough where they had a task force in 1992 looking into multiple cases, and it's the same. It's the same stuff that's mentioned. Children being murdered. Uh, you know, uh, children being raped. People wearing robes animals being killed before them, you know, participating in said animal flames. It's the same stuff, and I guarantee you that's what's in the 151-page report. And if you, want, if you want something like from past cases that, you know, will make us, you know, kind of see the patterns, uh, for example, David Hamlin, the name, uh, the attorney, Levitt, even said, oh, you know, we were neighbors. You know, we were neighbors, right? 
we were neighbors. We have a family connection. Mm-hmm. So what first, yeah, first off, you know, that 151-page report is most likely from the eldest daughter. And if everything stays true to the pathology and the pattern, there's going to be other members of the family who came, who, who came forward as well as they got older. That's just how it works. It, it probably was not just the one daughter. There were probably other kids. So with that being said, here's one case. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ballard had seven kids. They decided to, uh, it was, they were molesting them on a scale, both parents. The amount of incest going on in the family, you could have put both in jail for life, just on the incest alone. But they got bored with it. So they invited their next door neighbors, the Dunnings, to join the party. So then now you got four of them molesting the seven kids and torturing them. But then that wasn't enough, and they started pimping them all over the town and county. Right? That's, the, yeah. That's Boulder, Colorado, and Boulder County. That's five years before the murder. Yeah, but there's no such thing as sex rings there, say the cops, when you had a major one. And that couple was under court supervision for the how badly their kids were banged up for the entire time they were running the ring. And the judge kept giving the kids back to the parents. Vaginal abuse, here you go, take your kids back. Oh, they got gangrene, here you go, take your kids back. Over and over and over, allowing them to pimp, them, pimp those kids out for three years until finally somebody got the kids out of there. And then once they were, they were so banged up, they all had to be hospitalized. And then, you can keep, we can go way into depth in that because I interviewed one of the children years later, you know, as an adult. Uh, and this this is this is separate from obviously this is separate from the the, the Ramsey case. This is predates Ramsey. It predates Ramsey. It's like the Ramsey case has a whole bunch of other cases to it. It's not that the trick to Ramsey is it's not about Ramsey. You want to solve Ramsey? You go to the past and see what was going on in the town. The murder. See it. How this is working is that you got victims coming forward, making claims, and now they're trying to identify and corroborate and see if they can get the evidence on everybody mentioned. In Boulder, it went in reverse, where you got a body first, and I in a supposedly idyllic town. Oh, everybody's wealthy here. Oh, this never happens here. Oh, it's tragic. It must be somebody, it must be the parents and the parents alone. Maybe she was wetting the bed and the mother lost her temper. Blah, 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 blah. But then you start digging into the town, and then the Boulder becomes like Utah County. Four sex rings operating in the town for 20 years prior to the murder. You got the cops telling us that. We identified a whole sex ring on our own that they didn't even know about. I had 30 names. 30 names. The story names, like, and we got ten of them to talk, but nobody wanted the story because it went against the narrative that was driven home in everybody's mind 
incessantly for years. I mean, Frank, you, you were probably too young then. You have no idea. Band, oh, I, I remember it. was like Trump. No, I remember it. I, I remember it. I was, I, yeah, oh, yeah, I was young. Well, what year was it? I was young. I was in middle school, but, uh, 96. yeah, I was in sixth, I was in sixth grade. I remember it. It was, it was in like those consecutive summers around, uh, it was like OJ, then it was Ramsey. I remember it, but I, there was really nothing uh, I, we even had our own theories as as uh, as young children back then too, but it was never like this, never like this. We we're like we were wondering the American, if the, the American, the American public has no idea what happened in that case. No, they, they zero. Have, they haven't told the truth. Now here's okay. So now we leave we leave the ballot case alone. I want another example. Okay, a woman, right, comes forward in a case to make allegations against certain individuals of them being in a sex ring years prior, okay? Uh, she states that she was four when her abuse began. Now, in the Utah case case, when you look up David Hamlin and you look up his, you know, because there's articles on David Hamlin, you can look it up, H-A-M-B-L-I-N, and you can see 12 counts of rape, uh, multiple counts of sodomy. This is against his own kids. So I, I think the 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 daughter in the Hamlin case, her abuse started at the age of five, right? So back to the other woman. So this woman comes from California, starts making allegations against certain people, saying, "Hey, you know, I come from a, a you know a family multi multi generational abuse. Her mother, grandparents." uncles, cousins, you know, they even had a trainer. One of the cousins was a trainer in how to, to get the kids to perform at such a young age. His name was Mackie. And she just went on and said, yeah, you know, you know, it would happen, you know, at, uh, you know, over the holidays, you know, at parties and we'd be made to service other adults to please them. That's how we were taught. And if not, we were punished, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's also the Ramsey case. She came forward in 2000. I bet you, I bet you half your audience don't even know, they don't even know the Ramsey case, don't let that happen. No. I, I, I certainly yeah, didn't. So, and, and that's the, but that's the, that's the bigger thing here. You're talking about, I think that is uh, outside of the, the subject matter, which of course in itself is um, horrifying to listen to no matter what. But I think that the over, the overarching theme here is that you have entire communities involved that is that also that also links to local government law enforcement uh, m many people on the police the DA the 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 circuit attorneys what whatever the hell it is I think it's the system outside and, and it would have to be because we know that these localized these localized networks are 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 linked to bigger networks um, and and it's all the same protection. It's all the same level of protection. So the fact that the system protects it, covers it up, and, and, and plays it down is the scariest thing. And it is the reason why people just infer from that that this is the way of the world, that this is a major source of, of, uh, you know, of, of influence 
and capital and, and blackmail and holding power structures in place, in orbit. This is why people infer these types of things and, and, and build these theories, because it's not just there is this, uh, this, this um, you know, these abusive parents in town and they brought a couple of, you know, the, the distant cousins in on the abuse of their children. It is so widespread and it involves the involvement. It involves the, uh, the systems. And that's, that's the thing that, that really sends people over the moon. It, it, yeah, it, it does, Frank. And, Frank, let me touch base going back to Ballard real quick to, to kind of bring it back to what Frankie was saying. Uh, in that particular case, there were several kids. The eldest well, was, a, was a boy who testified in court that was able to get some jail time um, for the dad and for the mom. Uh, through a private, a private investigator was able to give me information regarding this boy's name was changed uh, to yeah, under a new identity. Yeah, they and, gave him a new identity. That's what they did. And, 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 he, was, and he was moved to the Midwest. But I was, given that, I was given his name. I called him out of the blue. And for, after getting over the initial shock and in how I got his information, because it was supposed to be non-public ever, uh, he was able to explain to me that this is what he said. Now, you talk about institutions. He said the police department in the neighboring town was participating in the abuse, was overseeing it. In the neighboring town? That's what he told me. In, yeah, Longmont. Longmont. in Longmont and Boulder, Longmont both and accusations Boulder against both departments for orchestrating his abuse and the abuse of his siblings and this guy my brother and the kid my brother talked to he was considered the hero of that case the hero because once again here's the similarities alex hunter the da of boulder right you start going through all these cases what do you see plea bargains outrageous plea bargains parents upset at plea bargain cops have upset at plea bargain for years years did nothing but pretty but pretty much give pedophiles almost a pass and then the ones we found that not only were given a pass you know when it came to sentencing they weren't they were protected where you had cops saying yeah you know some people we just aren't allowed to, to look into uh, that's bolder but uh yeah that you know the allegations were against the boulder police department and Jim, how did he say it? How did he say it to you exactly? He said, you know, because he said it was, you know, they were overseeing the abuse. That's how we put it. Overseeing. Orchestrating. Orchestrating, overseeing, yep. Yeah. So it's it's very easy, you know, to, to have a community. I mean, there's this case, I know there's a case in Minnesota, 50 years, 50 at least, that this has been going on in that community. Why? How do you be, it, be, it becomes so entrenched. All you need is the right people in the right positions, and it becomes a pedophile freaking smorgasbord for them. Because if they know, hey, if we do get caught, we're going to get a slap on the wrist. Pedophiles communicate now. Always have, whether it be through magazine or you know, the, the magazine uh not the wanads, whatever, the classified. They would send messages to each other. FBI has known this for decades. But now, over time, they've become more sophisticated in their messaging, but they still do it. And then they get word of a town or city that's, you know, hey, 
we got the right guys in the right place. It's party time. They're going to go there. And then all hell breaks loose. And when pedophilia runs amok in the community, eventually they die. Somebody's going to get killed. Oh, see, that's why I'm. Oh, th- that's yeah. the very next thing I was going to ask you. Because if this is like if this is like striking a a sewer main, like you're you're doing construction and eventually you hit a sewer main underneath the ground and you're just covered in shit. I mean, there there is the the more this goes on and the more desperate because anybody who's paying attention to this is is watching desperate behavior be played out in real time by this Utah County Attorney Levitt. I mean, it's desperate behavior, and it's not just be, and it can't just be desperate in the in the fact that, I mean, obviously, there is just the um, the social ostracizing. There is the you know you don't want to get caught. There's knowing what you did is horrible, not wanting to deal with the fallout. But even if you knew that you had friends on the inside that can eventually make this go away, the problem is that the friends on the inside need to be insulated themselves, and you are the odd man out. So I can imagine that someone in Levitt's case wants to get out ahead of this and put throw a wet blanket on top of it real quick and perhaps even try to put the fix in during the upcoming election, calling in all of their friends. Can somebody please rig this election to make sure that Sheriff Mike gets the fuck out of here? I mean, because I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, that's I would be real nervous about that. Yes, like to me, he, to me, it looked like not only was he panicking, he was signaling. Yeah, he was signaling. Exactly he was like, signaling. Because uh, remember, it's other. It's, it's at least fifteen to twenty others, Frank. Fifteen to twenty others, and they're just like Boulder. These are high-profile people in the communities. These are influential people. These are businessmen. Now, uh, Frank. Now, now, regarding you know people in the community, I'm just going to mention the name, um, and the, the, the tie-in is, is is interesting. There's a gentleman named Sterling Von Wagaden. Who was in, I think, out of Provo, Utah. He's he's well known out there. Why? Because he's the co-founder of the Sundance Film Festival. Wow. And, and the Sundance and, and the Sundance Institute as well. Yeah. And how how's he how's he related to everybody again? Founder of Sundance. Okay. Now watch. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was he's the founder of it. And Von Wagenen back in the '90s was accused by a boy of him being fonded, molested as a boy. So. You know, the boy accuses them. They go uh, to the police, and then in, you know the, the Mormon Church. But the Mormon Church comes and says, "Let us handle it. Let us handle it. We'll take care of it." And the parents, I don't understand it, but they say, "Okay." So they never press charges against him. Right? Years later, the same boy comes out. He's older. He confronts Von Wagenen. Uh, Von Wagenen again. In the, in the late in the mid 2000s and says you know this is what you did to me and he records him confessing on tape right so as he's doing that another girl comes forward and says yeah he he molested me too multiple times he goes to jail for that for the girl six years to life okay now how this ties in a little bit is von wagon in a 1993 report i believe police report yeah in a police report, he's sent to counseling. From I guess it's inferred in the report that he's sent to counseling. Guess who's his counselor? Who? David Ham- David Hamblin. The, the 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 father of who is probably the yep. the the Correct. victim now. Correct. 
They sent, yep, they sent this guy back. What kind, what like, kind of therapy you think, you, what kind of therapy you think he was actually yeah. getting? They're probably trading war stories. Yeah, imagine, exactly right. Could you imagine? What are you here for, Mr. Von Wagenen? Well, I have a fascination with young girls and boys. You do? Well, let me tell, tell me more about that. I got some stories for you. Think, think about that conversation. Now, once again, that's a name that I had to throw out, and I spoke to a detective that was unaware of that case and unaware of the time. And they said, really? I said, yeah, that you may want to look at that because you know, there's the, he may you know that he may play a part in that community of people who are very prominent because he sent to the counselor who was abusing kids. Come on, man. Something don't and, right. and this is, and this is why, you know, our, our job, I mean, our number one job is not to blog it, you know, even though we're doing that. Our number one job is to do what we've always done. Acquire sources. Once we're caught up to speed, we will run a parallel investigation and give the cops whatever we find. We'll dig up more witnesses. We always do. Always. We are, you know, we are good at it. And we'll, you know, it, it's, it's just going to take time because you have to win the trust. You have to win the trust and keep people. So it's going to take us a little bit of time to get up and running. But once we, once we get our hands on the report, then we'll, then we'll be off and running and we'll be able to do what we do. And it's like my one guy that's connected to the cops. I said, look, you know, right now it's questioned, but you know, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be more of a one way street with us giving you information. We did the same thing in Boulder. We did it with Lou Smith, you know, who was you know in charge of that case, you know, until he resigned. We did it with John Ramsey, the investigator, you know, uh, Ali Gray until he passed away in 2017, and you know, and we're just going to we're going to do it again. That's that's what that's our number one goal. Well, let me ask you something. To, let me ask about you guys and your goals and 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 where you where you came from. Um, uh, no, we know a little bit about your your background. We know about your your breadth of work, but. Like, for example, when the Boulder story started breaking in the news, did you guys like look at each other and say, "We got to get out there"? Did you, did you, did you ever form or ever, did you guys ever form a, a private investigation uh, uh, company, or, or, or were you guys ever work as, as officially PIs? Were you like Valiant and Valiant from Roger Rabbit? I mean, were you ever called for a case, or, or are you always just looking for something? to get involved in it. I'm always, I was always curious about that, how you picked something to get involved in, or if it wasn't picking anything, if you were ever called in, what? How did this happen? Okay, so, for example, how we started with Ramsey. You know, I was actually at a bar over the holidays, so maybe a day or two after Christmas, when the case broke nationwide. And, and, and things moved so quick, I mean, obviously not as quick as today, because computers weren't really in everybody's home back then in 96. There was no Twitter. Not everybody, not everybody had a cell phone. So I'm watching and I'm talking to the bartender and I see this story and I'm like, that stupid thing doesn't add up. I'm just, I could just see it just from the, the newscast and just the things they were saying. I'm like, I, this, this thing already stinks and I'm just hearing about it. So I called my brother, I said, Jim, you know, let's poke around. And let's see, and you know, my brother's like, you think this is up our alley? And I'm like, yeah, right, we'll just take a look, you know, no harm, no foul, we'll spend a couple of days, you know, we'll ask some questions. You know, and the media was all over Boulder, you know, the entire country's media was there, and my brother found the librarian, 
And in that one phone call, started us off on a 25-year odyssey, you know. That's how, and that's how that started. We just, I just, it, I just recognize patterns. You know, I just hear yeah. it. The way it was being reported, the way they said, you know, that they they found the body in the house, and I'm like, well, if the parents did it, why would they not leave the body outside the house? Why would they put the body in the basement and then call the cops? Yeah, and then how did how how did they miss it? How did they yeah. how did they everybody the cops then they all searched the entire house looking for it. They can't find it except for that one room. That nobody looked into. Yeah, in the, basement. The, the librarian who told, who I talked to on the phone, I said, I, all I asked was, anything like this happened to kids out there? Like, you know, in the past, and she's like, things happen to children out here when, that we don't like to talk about. And she goes, matter of fact, I feel uncomfortable even continuing the phone call with you. It's like it, it's like these little Stephen, and, these, like and, these little Stephen King towns. Yeah. It, 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 there was an underlying element in the town. That's why we dug into the town. And Frank, you know, do people call us into cases? We've been asked to take a look at cases, but as far as, you know, initially getting involved, you know, kids like this, and particularly, particularly in these particular cases, are ridiculed. They're mocked. They're given no voice. None. You know, they're called deranged, mentally ill, uh, crazy, or they made it up or they dreamed, or they're too young, or this and that. And there's something about that that we try to give voice to, that try to look for information to say, no, 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 this is, this is legit. This is legit. This needs to be stared at and looked at in the face for what it is. Don't turn away from it. Don't try to, to make it something it's not. You need to look at it. So I think part, that is a, a lot of the drive for me is to give a voice to these particular victims. How would you? Yeah, and then, and then oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Complete. I'll, I'll save this for after. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, and, and and it's it's not just reporters. I mean, a lot of times, like this, this is the rare case where where our relationship with the cops is not combative. Yeah. Usually, you usually we're looking at the cops immediately as there's something wrong there, and we're very wary of the cops. This is a very rare circumstance where these cops, as so far as we could tell, these Utah, this Utah County Sheriff's Office is top-notch, man. They're, they're straight-up guys. They're, they're doing their due diligence. They're not leaking names. You know, the county attorney's doing it, but they're not. Mm-hmm. They're just they're trying to, you know, they're not, stay the course. They're not, they're not threatening the lives of people who call them. As yeah. the cop did to my brother who said he was going to get it and find him and he was going to shoot him in the head. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, these cops are, are, are good guys. But even still, you know, there's been other cases where we had to work with the cops and explain to them what's happening in the case. Because just because you're a homicide detective doesn't mean you know how to work sex crimes. And doesn't know, like, especially in a group dynamic where you're talking four to five, six, seven 10, 20 other people involved. They have no clue what they're doing. They're not experienced with with interviewing these people at all. They they get locked in on one theory and they can't open their minds. And we have to reach out and tell them, say, no, no, you gotta you gotta look at it this way. This is how you have to look at it. Hmm. Did you ask the witness? And we've been doing that for decades. 
Now, you know, some, you know, you keep in touch with some cops. I've done some private detective work, you know, off book, just on my own from other detectives that have shown me work because of the area I live in. And matter of fact, I, I still do it. You know, every, every now and then, somebody will ask a favor. Maybe the attorney from, uh, you know, the Ramsey case that represented the woman that came forward. I, I'm still in touch with him 22 years later. You know, he'll ask me to do a couple of things. And I'll do it, you know, stuff like that. But uh, so, yeah. then, so then let me it's ask you this: crazy thirty I, years. Yeah, I know it sounds like a really crazy thirty years. And um, and and before that, what were you guys do? You guys ever have any official police training, or was it military? What? I, I was in the military. I mean, nothing. I was a, I was an infantryman. I went to airborne school. You know, I wasn't anything like uh, you know. Uh, military intelligence, the Delta Force, the Green Berets, or anything like that. I served my country for four years. I served the combat tour uh, overseas, and I was honorably discharged. You know, I can handle a firearm pretty well, and uh, and go from there. But uh, it's the, the, and the, reason, the extent of my military service. And the reason why I ask this, guys, is because it sounds like you had to have had some kind of a an investigative mentor or something, or, or did you just start picking it up and learning the do's and don'ts along the way? Um, that's the last mini question I have before my, my, my bigger picture question. Go ahead. Uh, trial, for me, trial, you know, for both of us, you know, it's we got better like a fine wine. We've gotten better with age. You know, in the 90s, you know, like Ramsey, for example, you know, that was, for me, coming off the Arkansas case. So well, I was, you know, I, I had already learned my lesson about, you know, how ties run deep in a town. So I was already, you know, had that in my head. And these are the things you pick up when you, when you continually work cases. You'll, you will recognize patterns, even from regular newscasts, from the way they speak, the little facts. You'll, your mind just starts making connections. And that's how, and, you know, and that's how it works. And, but my mentor was Gary Webb who they made of, you know, we, I think I've mentioned his name multiple times on your show in the past. Gary Webb, uh, San Jose Mercury News. Uh, Jim, what was the name of the uh, of the series of articles? Oh, geez. Um, I, know, I, forget, I forget the name. I know the movie To Kill a Messenger, yeah. but... Uh, I think it's the Dark, Dark Alliance, the Dark, Dark Alliance, Alliance series. That's right, that's right. He's the, Gary Webb is the one who exposed the CIA crack thing of the 80s. You know, taking the proceeds, you know, letting, you know cocaine in, in the country, uh, giving them to drug, giving the coke to drug dealers, them turning it into crack, taking some of the proceeds, and sending it to the conscious. Buying weapons and sending the weapons to the conscious. That's what Gary Webb did. And he got crucified for it. And it was during that time. It was right around. It was before the murder. Right after the, right after the uh, release of Dark Alliance, that I first got in touch with him. And he, you know, he was he was what's a good word to use early on? Uh, a little wary because of what he was. Now I had no idea at the time what he was going through. I was just excited to talk to him. The freaking series was fantastic. It was freaking CIA and drugs. And, you know, I, I was just calling to congratulate him and, you know, and just tell him, you know, how much I admired him and said, man, you know, I, I should have went to school to be, a, you know, an investigative, you know, journalist like you. You know, I think, you know, I think you're fantastic. And he just 
allowed me to call him back. And then I started in the phone calls that went on, he asked me what I did, and I started telling him of what me and my brother were doing. And then Ramsey happened, which he had no interest in at all. To him, that was just, you know, a stupid case. But when I started saying, hey, stuff about the town, multiple people, sex rings operating in the town, that's when he would listen. But he was like, hey, you got to slow down, man. He goes, I hope you don't question your witnesses, you know, like the way you talk. The one you talk way too fast. He goes, you're too hyper, as everybody on your show pretty much knows. He goes, slow, slow it down. Then he taught me how to layer my witnesses, you know, especially when you're dealing with one source and then he gives you four names and you want you, there's a certain way to handle them, all, all in a different way, the art of, manipul of manipulation, which is key. It's kind of like, you know, he talked about, you know, police interrogation methods and the art of dealing with a witness. A lot of it is the same, and I have put all those principles to work since then, and he was absolutely right. You know, when police interrogate a suspect, you you be who they want you you be who they who you think the person that you're interrogating wants you to be and you can tell by their mannerisms the things they say the way they say it so on and so forth so if you're a cop you think the person needs a father figure you act like a father figure stern but nice maybe he just uh needs a shoulder to cry on you act like a friend uh uh, maybe maybe he needs more of an authoritarian, so you act stern with him, or, a.k.a. the bad cop. So it's all psychological stuff. It's the same thing with witnesses. Well, that's what that's that, what Gary taught me, but then, you know, he became more depressed as the calls went on. And I, would, and I, I always told him, I said, Gary, man, I said, someday they're going to make a movie about you. I used to tell him that all the time. Well, I said, all you got to do is hang tough, man, hang tough. Because in every call that went forward from 96 to about 97, 98, 99, he became deeper and deeper. He sank into depression. And then I think it was 2002, driving in my car, and then I get the, the word that, you know, that he killed himself. And he didn't, he wasn't murdered. Everybody keeps saying that. It's, it's not how it happened. He sent suicide notes to his kids, to, to his ex-wife, days in advance. The thing with the two shots was he put it to his temple, not in his mouth, blew off his jaw. So he was still alive. He had to pull it again. End of story. He killed himself. So anyway. So get, so get, so that's it's a hor horrible end. And you say get Gary yeah. Webb. So Gary Webb and you guys obviously were just going out there and you let your your passions and your you just you let your interests and of course noble interests just take you down a pretty dangerous road now this now here's the reason why i ask all this stuff jim and frank and it's because the danger is apparent in what you do uh, frank you just mentioned the the arkansas case that you talked about on this show before that ended up uh, you, you you saw some really bad things again happening inside the local police department main witness and a partner of yours on the case ends up being uh, ends up dead um, you were able to get the hell out of there with your life but it was a close call and you realize just how serious of a matter it is Jim you just talked about how there there's been Plenty of threats to shoot you guys in the head over the over the uh, the years if you didn't stop meddling around. The reason why I ask is oh I know. now Frank now let me let me state that you know I think we were protected especially my brother from going out to Colorado. We went out later on, but if we would have went early on asking the questions we were asking, I don't think we would be talking to you. 
Yeah, that's well, correct. Well, we would not have made it out. If but, we would not have, that, that's, what, that's what the lead uh, detective said uh, to my brother, saying, you, were, you know, God kept you away from here because you would not have made it out back at that time frame asking the question. See, and, and that's just it. Sometimes you guys have, sometimes a person has good guidance. Other times you just, it's divine uh, intervention a little bit that you learn a little bit more about what to do and what not to do when a situation is too hot. But we need more Zells. That's the problem. And that's why I ask. We need more Frank and Jim Zells out there. But if everybody just goes out like a, you know, a, a gunslinging cowboy and just try, just try to, to make the world a better place, they can get hurt and they can get hurt real quick. And they can also, if they're not if they're not well-trained or doing things properly, especially, like you said, handling and stacking your witnesses, uh, any good pers- noble pursuits you may have on, on one issue or another, you might contaminate any good information you might have gotten by some kind of bad method. So uh, the, the people, need, right. people need more mentors out there, guys, because I'll tell you, as time goes on and people are... Uh, uh, average Americans, Europeans, whatever, they start to realize the very stark reality that the justice system at large, even local systems, are really not there serving them, but serving other more nefarious interests. And like you said before, there are good sheriffs out there. There are towns that still have their the, the, the peace, and they still have good culture. But, I mean, we have been able to witness the DOJ, we know what the DOJ is all about. We know who it serves. And in places like Utah, we see this little jockeying for power between the attorney and a stand-up guy in the sheriff's department. But there are other bad sheriffs. There are other towns like Boulder. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people who see this, and they don't want to feel hopeless. They want to go out there, pound the pavement, and, and, and talk to witnesses and try to pull things together. What do you say to them? It's it, it's funny because now that we've gotten older, you know, we got to remember, in our twenties, you know, especially me, I, I was you know I was a wild man. You know, I always I kind of use the comparison of the movie Seven. I'm sure everybody has seen it. You know, everybody has seen that movie between you know Detective Mills, the young, brash you know detectives, you know the go getter, the one that had hope, played by Brad Pitt, and the older, more jaded Detective Somerset, played by Morgan Freeman. I have, I have transformed between those two characters. I was once Detective Mills, and now I am Detective Somerset. Jaded from what I see, more, more careful. I have experience, and now we're being asked the question. Now people will reach out to us via email. Uh, we were written about in a book called Presumed Guilty uh, by Stephen Singular. And people will read that book, and they'll get in touch with us, and they'll, you know, and just like you said, they want to do something, which is good. It's because apathy, I can't stand it. I can't. That's I just hate it. I hate that. If I see that trait in you, I just, I just can't deal with it. It drives me crazy. Apathy. You, you got to care a little bit. So when people reach out to us, I try to explain to them. I said it's, it's not like I, it's not like I didn't try to get out the ball. Oh, I did multiple times, and I was just stopped. It was like divine intervention. My mom got sick. She had heart issues in 96, 97. Okay, the witness comes forward from California. Boom, here it is. Here's a big break. Then you get out there, boom, my dad dies of a heart attack. 2000. So that stops me in my tracks. And it was just, every time I tried to get out there, I was just stopped because of circumstances out of my control. Like my brother said, if we went out there 
it's almost a guarantee, you know. He's like, you know, like the Lou Smith once told me, because I was bitching and moaning about, about I, I just keep getting stopped. And he was like, Frank, he goes, you guys come out here, no infrastructure, no team. And you're asking the questions you're asking, businessmen, city officials. He goes, just, you know, just be thankful that you didn't come out. Then rather make it out here and never being able to get back home. You wouldn't have made it. Mm. Not at that time. So I tell, you know, and there's other stories like, you know, what I did with, you know, the Arkansas story. There's other things I did, which it's just almost nearly impossible to tell it on, on the air. It's hard. It's, you know, and that was more dealing with it in person, not yeah. seeing it on a tape. But, and, and, and not, not only, you know, it's like sometimes you got to invest monetarily too. And it's like, you know, I love to say, hey man, you know, I'm just well off and well to do with money and I can just throw it at any particular project or case I want. No, man, it's like, you know, you know, I'm a man of modest means, and, but sometimes it's like, I know my brother has spent thousands of dollars in, in, in the Ramsey case in particular. And, you know, I remember one time I had to go out to, in the Ramsey case, interview that, that guy out in Chicago. You know, so I had to go to, you know, go to the bank, you know, take out a few thousand dollars. I took a reporter out with me to interview this guy about his involvement or with the police involvement in his abuse. And unfortunately, although we talked over the phone and he said he talked to me at the last second when he told me he was on the way, he wouldn't come. So all I was able to get was what was on the phone. So I went out to Chicago. You know, I brought somebody with me, hotel, the whole nine. That was a few, you know, probably, you know, a couple of thousand dollars that went by the wayside. Nothing came of it, but that's part of it. You got to be willing to risk. You know, the old saying, you know, you know, don't risk it, no biscuit. Well, you and, know, and, and you... yeah, I'm sorry, Frank. Let me just, you know, I I just want to address this last point that answers the question you asked. When it comes to people reaching out to us, what I tell them is, you know, they know some of my stories. And I say, well, I have never on anything without usually law enforcement involvement of some kind and all the things I've done, especially in, in my wild years. It was always, I always had some kind of law enforcement uh, direction, whether it be an ex-cop, a cop on the, you know, cops on the force, uh, detectives. It was always in coordination when I did those things because you, you do get people who are so outraged they can't control their, you know, they can't control their emotions. And you can't jeopardize what you're doing because you want to smack somebody around. That's, that's not what it's about. You're trying, you have to set goals and objectives that you want to achieve. I'm not saying, to be honest, I'm not saying I never did those things, especially in my 20s. But like I said, I lived, I lived and I learned and I grew as I went. But that's not the advice I tell people. I say, hey, you got to work in coordination with people. You got to do it the right way. You can't jeopardize the overall goal at the end of the day. So, there See, you go. True Detective season four. <coughs> True Detective season four should have been about you guys. <coughs> <The> season <laughs> oh, four is coming and, out and soon. That's the funny thing. It's, it's not. It's not written by uh, uh, Nick. Uh, what was his name? Uh, the guy right. who created all, all three. He left, and they got a team of writers writing the fourth oh. one, so hopefully it'll be good. I don't know. But in the Utah County case, remember True Detective Season 1, when that when the pastor comes in, 
or you know the 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 the, uh, the guy who run, who's part of the church, and you know Detective Cole kind of you know says stuff stuff to him, and then he gets yelled at by the captain, and he looks at Woody House, and then and he goes, he goes, well, who was that guy anyway? He goes, that's the governor's cousin, Tuttle. Yep. He goes, you can't you can't <clears throat> do that in the Utah County case. David Levitt is the brother of the former governor of the state of Utah. So when you're talking about people being afraid because he's politically connected to the, to the former governor. So, yeah. So, you know, so once again, you know, it's Sheriff Mike Smith. He's putting it out there. He's putting himself on the line. He knows it could cost him. He knows this, that it's going to that it could cost him his career. Or well, who knows what happens as far as you know as this goes, but yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a dangerous thing he's doing. But he's but this is what they're paid to do, and he said it. We're paid to investigate crimes, and we're doing our job. And that's what that's a good department. That's a good sheriff. That's a good leader. Yeah, it's dangerous, but they're paid to take on dangerous things, especially when children are involved. Well, I'll tell you. So he's doing the right thing. Tell you guys, we have we have a lot of interesting things coming up, and now I I, I appreciate you coming on and doing this hour with me, because knowing that this this is moving forward, and you have two immovable objects on one side, the attorney, and then you have the other side, the um, the sheriff. Then you have this election that's coming up soon. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. It's going to be interesting to see if anybody drops off the chessboard, if you know what I mean. But you guys, um, I hope that everybody goes to inthezeller.com. Frank and Jim, I hope you guys write a book one day about uh, how it all came to be and tips for uh, future Zells. That's what we need. Um, uh, Anything else you want to plug before we go? Uh, Frank, I just will let you know we do have a phone call this weekend with uh, that source. Okay. So with with the development that took place, uh, it's going to be Saturday afternoon. So we may be updating more over the weekend on the uh, blog. I appreciate. You know, there are people in the chat room who have who have been uh, petitioning that you guys would be uh, would be the badass of the night, or at least a badass of the month. Um, so Mike Smith. The sheriff Mike Smith's the badass of the month. Yeah. Anyhow, wait, again, I also go, also go with Hugh Glass from the Revenant as well. <laughs> oh, well, we can, I, I don't know if we did. We didn't. I don't think we did Hugh Glass last year, but I got to put that in. Um, we have a pretty good one tonight. Oh. I think that you'll appreciate the one tonight, though. Oh sure. Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards. The audience really appreciates when you spend this kind of time with us. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's not easy, but um, it, it's one hell of a night, and this was true crime in real time. Thank you so much, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Anytime. Take care. Later, man. Okay. So we got some. It's. I hope that all of our friends in alternative media start paying attention to this because for that to be, it's not like a primary election. This is going to be a local election election this month in June. They say June 2022. And it's an election that, that may turn over. Now, I don't know when they swear in the new sheriff. I don't know when that happens. I don't know what kind of a window of time that Mike Smith can still uh, be effective in a transition if he loses his job in this election, but I don't know. 
I mean, the loyalty has to swing one way or another. You have Levitt, the attorney, if he's popular or unpopular, that should show in the polls. Mike Smith, the sheriff, if he's popular or unpopular, that should show in the polls. Why would anybody vote for both of them? You know, I, I, but who knows? Who knows? I, I'd have to imagine that you would have to take one person over the other at this point since it's so publicly they're at each other's throats. Uh, it's, I, I, for a low-information voter, I think that you have to take one person over the, uh, over the other just for the drama the drama aspect of it all. But for a higher information voter out there in Utah in this particular county, what the hell are you doing? And does the person with the most pull call in the big dogs and make sure that they get some mules in Utah County on election night? Very, very interesting. Let's take a really quick break. When we come, no, no intermission, but when we come back from this break, we will uh, get to the Super Chats and then our Badass of the Evening. Hey, you kid, I know I'm ugly. I stuck my head out the window, got arrested for mooning. <laughs> I know I'm ugly. I went to a freak show to let me in for nothing. <laughs> kid, I was an ugly kid, too. How ugly? How ugly? <laughs> I was so ugly, my mother breastfed me through a straw. I'm ugly, I'm Tony, and my proctologist, he stuck his finger in my mouth. What's going to mean nothing, man? I got a niece, an ugly girl. She got married. She's happy. She married an ugly guy. Right. And today they got two very ugly kids. Ugly kids, yes. <laughs> in fact, they're all so ugly in a family album. They only keep the negatives. I'm fat, 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 I'm When I took her home, my mother put newspapers on the floor. Oh. I mean, ugly. I gave her a hickey. I got fur in my mouth. You... <laughs> I was an ugly kid, too. I had plenty of pimples. One day, I fell asleep in the library. I woke up. A blind man was reading my face. I mean, I mean ugly. But when I was born, after the doctor cut the cord, he hung himself. <laughs> and my old man, he didn't like my looks, either. But he carried around a picture of the kid who came with the wallet. <laughs> Quite frankly, listen live or download it and take it with you wherever you go while you're driving, walking, working, or <laughs> dirty dog. For all things, go to quitefrankly.tv. You like what you see? Become a sponsor. Quite frankly, streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. So for everything, it's quitefrankly.tv. <laughs> You know what? I didn't tell you. Set the charge, my band. Set the charge. I just got a, I got a text message earlier in the day from my brother, and he said, "Hey Frank, I just wanted to let you know that I, I uploaded the Deviant, our single, our Halloween single. It's a dark, dark song. It's about a uh, dark song about addiction. It's um, it was uploaded 
last October, I think, around Halloween. Well, we just put it onto the Set the Charge YouTube account, and we have made a lot of things from our past public that Anthony uh, previously had made private. He's like, yeah, nobody needs to see this. Wow. Some blasts from the past on Set the Charge. Blasts from the past. Like we when we even covered the Charles Ramsey, uh, the Charles Ramsey mean, uh, remix, Dead Giveaway, Dead Giveaway, Dead Giveaway. We we covered that. Little things. It was incredible. There's some behind the scenes footage of some of our uh, bigger music videos that we made. The behind the scenes footage is hilarious. Um, obviously it's all rated R. So if if you know, don't get offended. What else is there? Um, maybe we'll watch some of that on Saturday night broadcasts or Friday night nostalgia night or who the hell knows. But you can go check that out. Um, all right. Into our Super Chats. Into the Super Chats. Let's go to the, quite frankly, superchat.com. Gino. Gino says, great show as always. Love when the Zells are on, but really miss our boy Rob. Love you, Francis. Let's go, Rangers. Big one tonight. I'm sure Rob is watching. Shotzi. Hey, Frank. Sending hugs to the little broccoli. Thank you. Thank you. Every day she becomes a bigger broccoli, and my heart cracks from pride and love and, and, and sadness all at the same time. Nobody said it was going to be this much of a roller coaster. I feel like a woman in menopause. Uh, American Girl says, Hi, Frank. Making my contribution to Theo. God bless you and heal you, little man. Let's go, Team Theo. Yes, let's do that. I can't wait until Tim and his family uh, see see the contribution. It's going to be great. Of course, it's going to be from the, quite frankly, audience. It'll be left. Rev Olution says, oh, that's two hours ago. Enjoyed Jim Lee interview yesterday. Looking forward to the Zell brothers and their Utah update tonight, which I'll hear tomorrow. Cracking up over Aurora's broccoli reaction. My son loves broccoli so much, he'll steal it off your plate after he eats all of his. I'm so happy she loves the broccoli. In fact, tonight she pretty much rejected two pieces, you know, two small pieces of homemade pizza that Lauren made. She And she usually loves pizza. She goes, pizza? She loves it. She loves pizza. Um, and so we give her some of that. But tonight she had two little, you know, dragon tongue slices. You remember the dragon tongues? Um, dragon tongue slices on her, on her plate. And she didn't really touch it, but she cleaned the plate of the broccoli and the diced strawberries that we gave her. And then, uh, but we said she needs a little bit more. So we gave her a little bit of a blueberry muffin and I don't know, but just, just come on, eat, eat a little bit more. So you sleep good, but she didn't pass up the fruits and the vegetables. That's great. And she definitely runs. She runs. So she works the fruit off a lot. She bounces and she dances, but when she does it, she likes, she speaks French. She, when she says bounce, she wants to bounce. So she gets up and she just hops in place. Hops and she skips, but she can't really leave the floor yet. So it's almost like a, like a skip. And she goes, Bausch, Bausch. And then if she wants to dance, she goes, Daddy, Daddy, dance. Uh, and then if, what did she say for music? Mishi, Mushi, Dance, Mushi. She wants me to put on music, so I put on the uh, 
I put on the Utopia channel on Sirius XM, and there's some remix from the late 90s, and she's just dancing. So she burns off all those strawberries. She doesn't store it, that's for sure. Um, let's see here. Breacher7 Actual says, I hope this helps. God bless Theo, Timothy's family, you and your family, Frank. You keep it real, brother. Thank you, Breacher. Thank you so much. And it's going to help. Everything's going to help. Um, certainly will. Certainly will. Over to Rumble. We had a nice night over there on Rumble. People hanging out. Selling the farm says, paying it forward a little bit every show. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Selling the Farm. And on, um, and on to Foxhole, there's, there are... There are muscles in my hand that are twitching right now. You can see my my middle finger is just twitching. And I can feel other muscles right here in between my thumb and my index. And it's making... I want to get a squeeze ball. And I want to exhaust the goddamn muscle. Mm, fuck you. I hate that twitchy, weak, fluttery feeling. Hate it. Yeah? Hmm. So... I'll be doing a lot of fisting when I get home <laughs> just to try to, you know, <laughs> try to release the spasm. You got to do fisting sometimes. If you have hand spasms, best thing you can do is a little bit of fisting. Okay, let's see. Pam D sends over a cookie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, <laughs> Pam. Frank Staint says, no rumble, no Rob. Well, yeah, the rumble, I, like I said, I put it up. Uh, Anita BJ says, good evening, Frank. Hello, Anita. Dark Brain says, Andrew Basiago, time travel on Truth Quest. Oh, shit. Come on. Pause. Andrew, uh, Andrew Basiago, time tra uh, travel on Truth Quest with Aaron Moriarty, Friday, June 10th. Well, I've been trying to get that on my show for like a year and a half. We played the Andrew Basiago... Uh, Art Bell episode on on the network quite a few times. I thought maybe th three times over the last two years. Just good late night talk and you know it's up to you at home what you believe. When we have Leo, one of the things I don't know if I'll be able to get around to it because when Leo Zagami comes on to talk about Illuminati ancient Europe the Vatican all that stuff I don't know if it'll be a first time on type of thing. He talks about the Gothard Tunneled Pass, all the occult rituals that go on there, but I would love to talk to him about uh, rumored hidden technology. And I bring this up because when you mention a time traveler, an alleged time traveler like Andrew Basiago, I think of the rumor, the long long-standing rumor that the Vatican had developed and still has a chronovisor, an object, a... Uh, a device that allows you to peer into the past, not not meddle with the past or transport you there, but to be able to view the past, that it had been used to actually uh, witness the crucifixion of Christ. I would love to, I ho hopefully one day I'll be able to ask Leo Zagami about, about uh, rumored technology as well, see if he knows anything about that. There might be other other interesting guests that I can ask about that too. All right, let's see. So Dark Brain is 
advertising for someone else. Mazington says, love the shirt, Frank. Thank you, Mazington. I forgot who sent this to me. I love it so much. Thankfully, it was just cool enough to wear it walking out the door. If, this, if I did this show any earlier in the day, I'm not walking out with a long sleeve T-shirt on, that's for sure. Um, just too muggy in New York. Sumter. Oh, thank you so much, Robert Sarns. Sean Joe. Tony Animal One. Why is this still scrolling away from me? Uh, Robert Sarns, Sumter53 says the Zell brothers have gut instinct and natural intuition. That has definitely bailed them out of a lot of things, it seems. WitchyPoo22, thank you. Donkey Punch says Jonas, son of a bitch. You're right. You're right. And he keeps saying it. Dr. Hoffman, Frank, you could say hi to your superfan. Can you say hi to your superfan? My mom, Sue, 81 years old. What's going on, Mama Sue? 81. And hanging out with the young bucks. Good for you. Good for you. That's what I want to hear. It's got some staying power there. Uh, Dirtius says, planet Earth is blue and there's nothing I can do. You're right. There really is nothing you can do. Over on Rockfin, we got a couple of tips that came our way. One tip. It came from the always generous Todd Fife. Todd Fife. No message, but the tip says... All there is to say, it's the greatest, greatest um, feedback a guy like me can get. All right, it's time for our badass of the evening, and then off I go. You ready? Let's do it. That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Yes, indeed it is, and our badass for the night is Sam Childers. That's right, famous. Sam is famous for converting... From troublemaker to businessman to becoming the salvation for hundreds of South Sudanese orphans. This is why I say that the, uh, the Zells would like this story. His biography, Another Man's War, was made into a Hollywood feature film called Machine Gun Preacher in 2011. Childers grew up in the hills of Pennsylvania. He had, tr- he had a troubled youth and by his early teens was sliding deeper into a life of violence and crime. He became a shotgunner. That's an armed guard for drug dealers. It was during this time that he met Lynn, a stripper, who would later become his wife. He gradually distanced himself from his former life, found a job in construction, and prospered. His wife returned to the church she had forsaken as a young adult, and the pair sought to reestablish their relationships with God and live clean lives. Lynn gave birth to a healthy girl, and Childers started his own construction business. But little did they know that their greatest challenge was just around the corner. At the behest of his pastor... Childers joined a mission group to Sudan to help repair huts that had been damaged in the country's civil war. During his assignment, he stumbled across the body of a child torn apart by a landmine. He fell to his knees and made a pledge to do whatever it took to help the people of southern Sudan. He helped start a mobile clinic that rendered aid to victims all across the country while passing the village of Nimul on the Ugandan border. He says God sent him a message to build an orphanage. After selling his business, he returned to the village. He spent his days clearing brush and building huts that would house the children and during the evenings slept under a mosquito net slung from a tree, Bible in one hand, AK-47 in the other. After the orphanage was finished, Childers began to lead armed missions to rescue children from the Lord's Resistance Army. 
which led villagers call which led to villagers calling him the machine gun preacher. Fast forward to today, Childers team makes around 12,000 meals every day and houses 380 orphan children. He's also drilled dozens of wells, built many schools and has major projects in South Sudan, Uganda and Ethiopia. I actually just followed him today. I went and I looked for him today on on Twitter and I found him. And he's he does um, he does a lot of mission work still and tours all over Europe to raise awareness for projects that he's working on. I followed him and I tweeted at him. So who who knows? Maybe I can actually get him on the show to, uh, one day to tell his story and have him on as a guest. Seems like he's pretty you know out there and and in the public eye. I appreciate you all more than you know. Now I have to. Go off and complete the rest of my evening. Thank you to our guest, the Zells. Tomorrow we have another great guest coming on in the form of Justin Polgar from yescacao.com. You can check out their company on the affiliates page along with the Zells, uh, the Zells page in the Zeller.com. Especially now that they're on a new on a new case, you could be on the case with them and follow along on their blog. So in the meantime, have a good evening. And I will see you all tomorrow. Is that all I wanted to do? Is that all I wanted to say? Yes. Yes, it is. See you then. I'll catch you on the flip side. Frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters. A collective thank you, and I love you, to everybody on Foxhole who has been really propelling us to making big, historic, historic uh, numbers on on gold pills every night. Thank you all so much. It's fueling the network directly. And thank you to everybody on quite frankly superchat.com. Gino, Shotzi, Sea to Shining Sea, American Girl, Revolution, Breacher 7 Actual, Captain Cast Iron, and uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Wonderful you, wonderful for you to hang out with me again.